Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. It's like you've got not much left. In fact, there are people here this morning that it feels like you've got nothing left. You're at the end of the road. You've got nothing to give anymore. It feels like that it's too hard, it's too difficult. The mountain is too great. You've got not much left. I have a word for you this morning. And the word is this. For I know I have the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you and plans to give you a hope and a future. You may not have much left. And that's exactly where God can step in, where Jesus will step in. Because, see, it's not about you. It's about what he will do through you. You may not have much left, but he's got plenty more for you. Let's keep singing that. And as we keep singing that, let's remind ourselves that we may not have much left. May not have but we're going to trust you, God, this morning. With every waking breath, I'll lift you high. You hear my every prayer. You are by my side. God, I know you. God, I trust you. I may not have much left, but you provide. With every waking breath, I'll lift you high. You hear my every prayer. You are by my side. God, I know you. God, I trust you. We trust you this morning, God. Father, we come boldly before your throne this morning. Boldly, because that's what your word says. It says that we can boldly approach your throne of grace. So, Father God, this morning we boldly approach your throne of grace. Father God, we come before you this morning and we say, have your way. Have your way this morning in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to do a work in your people this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here to change us and to shape us and to mould us into the likeness of Christ. We thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, band. Woo! Give the band a big, big shout out. What a great time of worship it was this morning. Thank you, band. Hey, Josh, I, 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 I've lit, I, I, I'm a Victorian. Any other Victorians here? Yeah, yeah. So in our blood, in our DNA, 
is AFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't check before he got up to make sure that his DNA fitted with our DNA. Like, what happens if he's a Collingwood supporter? Oh, praise God for that. Who do you follow? Carl, oh, that's nearly as bad. No, great to have you with us this weekend. My title this morning is, I'm right. <laughs> Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. But that's not the end of my title. <laughs> I'm right. But am I Christ-like? Oh. There's a challenge. Our theme, who knows what our theme is this month? To know God better. Ephesians 1.17. This is Paul and his letter to the Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better so that you may know him better. Who's done personality uh, traits and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, a few people? Yeah, so, you know, you have the sanguines, the party people, the people people. Helen's a, a sanguine, the party people, the people people, yeah? They love people, they love to party, but they don't get much done. That's just the reality. And then you have the task-orientated people. Any task-orientated people here this morning, we'd like to get the job done. Don't get in our way. Like, Helen cannot get in my way when it's time to mow the lawns and wash the cars. Don't get in my way. I've got a task to do, and I want to finish the task. And because I'm task-orientated, I like to set goals, and I like to measure how I'm going. Who knows what a KPI is? A Key Performance Indicator. So for many years in my working career as a, as a constructional building manager for a, a building home, a home builder down in Melbourne, we had KPIs. We measured our performance. And I was thinking as I was preparing this word this morning about to know God better, what is a KPI? Is that okay? Not very spiritual, I know. But what's a KPI? How do we know? How we're going with knowing God better or knowing Christ better? How do we know how we're going with it? What, what can be a measure that we could use? I think one of the measures would be how much we trust God. Yep. Would you agree with that? But I think the even greater or the better measure of how we're going with knowing God is that we become more Christ-like. The more that we're like Christ is an indication that we're getting to know God Better. Is this making sense? Yeah? How, how do I look this morning, by the way? All right, did my clothes match? Somebody just take a photo, send it to Helen, so she knows that I've done okay without her this morning. Cal told me that I had brown shoes. That was no good. It's got to be black. I think I look all right. What do you reckon? So what's the KPI? I reckon one of the KPIs, one of the indicators that we're getting to know God better is that we're becoming more like Christ. 
I am right, but am I Christ-like? You know, as we grow, get to know people, as I've gotten to know Helen, as I've spent time with her, as I've included her in my life, and as I've done life with her, I found out what she likes, and I found out what she dislikes. Anybody identify with that? I found out what's important to Helen and what's not. As I've spent time with her, as I've, as I've done life with her, I found out what her real character is like. I found out that I can actually trust Helen, that she's a woman of character, that she's a, a stable Christian, that, that she's somebody that I can trust. But I, I've only found this out because I've spent the time with her. I've done life with her. I've, I've, I've gone out initially and had dates with her and then, you know, it led to getting married and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And let me tell you, I'm still learning. There's still stuff I'm finding out that Helen doesn't like, but that's okay. But the more you spend time with somebody, you're more, you're more, the more you get to know them, you're more, the more you get to know what they're actually like. And I think if we really want to, if we believe that knowing God and an indicator of knowing God is how much we've become like Christ or how much we, yeah, we've become like Christ, then, then how, do we, how do we then know what Jesus was like? How do we find out about Jesus? How do we know what's important to him and what's not? How do we know what his character is like? We spend time with him. We're a Bible-believing, relationship-Christ church. We strongly believe that, yes, you come to church. Of course you come to church but you come to church because you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And church is just a gathering on a Sunday morning, but you're, you're in relationship with Christ all week long. You're in a relationship with Christ when you're at home, when you're at work, when you're at play. Yes, being in a relationship with Christ is about praying. Of course it is. It is about going to church, but it's, it's about doing life with Jesus. It's about reading his word. It's about finding out what's important to him and what's not so that we can become more like him. How do we know what Jesus is like? I reckon a really good place to find that out is where do you reckon we might find out what Jesus was really like, is really like? The Bible, especially the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, when we read the Gospels, we get to see the life of Jesus. We get to see what he did. We get to see what was important to him and what wasn't. We get to see what his character was like. We get to see how he related, but probably even more importantly, how he ministered to the people around him. You see, when you read the Gospels, you see how Jesus ministered to the lost, to the hurt, to the broken, to the outcast, to the rejected people of society. You also see how he related to the Pharisees, the religious people of his day. In fact, the gospel paints a very clear picture of what Jesus thought about the Pharisees. They claimed to be of God. They claimed to know God, but they did not reflect God. They had all the knowledge you could ever want, but they didn't allow that knowledge to transform them into being more godlike. Their knowledge that they had, they used and abused. 
Knowing God better is so much more than simply increasing our knowledge of Him. It's about letting what we have learned by the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us to transform us into the likeness of Christ. Surely that's my goal, your goal. That's a key performance indicator of how we're going as a follower of Christ. Are we becoming more Christ-like on our journey? My prayer is that I am and my prayer for you is that you are. That as you know God better, you're becoming more Christ-like. The Pharisees knew God. They knew of God, but they they knew the commandments. They knew it all, but it didn't change them. In fact, it made them very mean. Turn to your neighbor and say, mean, mean, mean. They were very mean. They valued being right much more than they valued being Christ-like. Have you ever met a mean Christian? I have. Come on. Have you ever met a mean Christian? It's not very pretty. They just want to tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. And they're not even able to look at themselves and go, hang on a minute, before I even need to look at the person over here and what they're doing wrong, I need to look at my own life and see what I'm doing wrong. And Jesus talks about something like, remove the speck from your brother's eye. Sorry, remove the log from your own eye before you remove the speck from your brother's eye. Like, who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? That we know it all? And what do we do with this knowledge that we have? See, Jesus tells us that the law can be summed up in two commandments. And it's basically love God, love people. Matthew twenty two thirty four. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commandments. How are you going with loving God and loving people? Let me tell you, I sometimes find it difficult to love people. Just being real. I find it difficult to love people sometimes. I need the spirit of God within me to love people like Christ loved them. I need the Spirit of God within me. When people treat me poorly or they do the wrong thing or they don't meet an expectation, I need that Spirit of God within me, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead at work in me so that I can love them like Christ loves them. Let me quote to you Dallas Willard, and I have no idea who Dallas Willard is, but I read this. Christians are mean in the proportion to when they value being right over being Christ-like. Do we value being right more than we value being Christ-like? The book of Romans sets the standard for all of us who say that we are indeed followers of Christ. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Who's met a know-it-all? I have. Romans 13.10, love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Can you just imagine what the church would look like if we could really get this? If we could really get it in our DNA, if we could really understand that this is our call and this is our role, it's to love God and to love people. 
Can you just imagine what it would look like, what this world would look like, what Bowen would look like if we were better at loving God and loving people, if we were more Christ-like? You know the story in, in the book of John, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Who knows that story? It's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. Matthew 8, 1 to 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stood down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he swooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Do you see? Do you see in this picture that the Pharisees were right? They were right. According to to the law, God's law, they should have been, she should have been stoned to death. But they valued being right more than they valued being Christ-like. They were entirely right. They were entirely right. She was in the wrong. The law demanded that she would be stoned to death. But what did Jesus say to her? I don't condemn you. That's being Christ-like. So when somebody hurts me, when I feel like taking on an offence, when somebody is throwing stones at me, what's my response in return? I'm to be Christ-like. As I read the Gospels, as I read about the life of Jesus, I see him as the perfect example to follow. As I look at his life, I see as a man whose heart was after the lost, the broken, the people that have fallen into sin. His ministry was all about the lost, the broken, and the hurt. People just like you and me. He went to the cross for every sinner. This is a really good part of my sermon right now. You ready for this? If I got your complete attention, smile at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. He's saying to you this morning, I do not condemn you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. I, give you, I want to give you hope and a future. You might think you have no future. Don't believe it. You have a future. See, every single one of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. In the garden, Adam and Eve were so happy they were walking around naked. Have you ever been that happy where you want to walk around naked? 
I have. Thank God nobody's around. They were so happy they had it all. They were told not to do one thing, and of course they did it, and sin entered the world. So the Bible's very clear that every one of us that's born into this world is born into sin. We're born into sin. We can go to church, we can pray, we can sing and worship, but unless we recognize that we are a sinner, that I am a sinner in need of a saviour, unless I recognize that I need Christ, unless I recognize that I am the sinner, that I fall short and there's only one way to God and that's through Christ, through the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Yes, I come to church. Yes, I pray. Yes, I fellowship. Yes, I do my best to become Christ-like, but I do it because I'm in relationship with Christ. I don't do it to earn brownie points or to somehow earn favor, uh, uh, the favor of God over my life. I come to church because I love Christ. And he loves me. He loves you. So for every single one of us, he's made this way. And the way that was impossible. Because we all sin. We all fall short. Not one of us can measure up to God's standard. The, th- the Pharisees thought they could. They thought they knew the law, but they missed it completely. They didn't love God like they should have loved God, and they didn't love people like they should have loved people. So I praise God every, and I thank God every day that me, this sinner, and let me tell you, I'm the worst of the worst. Is that right, Cal? Yeah, preach it, brother. I'm the worst of the worst. And so are you. But God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So where there was no way, God made a way through Christ. So when I choose to believe by faith that I'm a sinner, that Jesus died for my sin and my sin has been forgiven, not because I went to church and not because I prayed, but because I believe that I'm a sinner and Jesus died for my sin, I will experience eternal life. But here's the really good thing. As well as that, I mean, isn't that not enough to know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with God? But it doesn't stop there. There's more. There's more. Think about this. That same God that raised Jesus from the dead, that same God that created the universe, the same God that can count the hairs on your head, that same God that created every star in the universe is with you. He's with you when you're good. He's with you when you behave. He's with with you when you try and do your best. But he's also with you when you're going through the valley when you've let yourself down or you let somebody else down, he's still with you. His word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How cool is that? We get to spend eternity in heaven and we get to have God with us now. We get to give our sins forgiven. And here's a really, another really good thing. Are you listening to this? The punishment for your sin has been borne by Jesus. When he died on the cross, the, sin, the, the punishment that I deserve and you deserve has been taken by Jesus on the cross. Praise God. Oh, isn't this good? 
to know that you have God with you, to know that you're spending eternity, to know that your sin, the punishment for your sin has been taken away, to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you, to know that you're a child of God, to know that your identity is in Christ, to know that you have a purpose in God, a purpose. You have, your purpose is to do good works. But see, the Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus, they completely missed it. And Jesus, let's put it in blunt terms, was angry with them. Listen to some of the words he used towards the Pharisees, the religious people. Let us never be like this. Hypocrites, filthy on the inside, full of greed and self-indulgent. Snakes, sons of life. This is Jesus, gentle Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Me come, gentle Jesus, you snakes, you sons of vipers. How will you escape the judgment of hell? This is what he said to the Pharisees. Now listen, it's important that you get this. Do you hear Jesus saying this to the sinner? What sorrow awaits you, you hypocrites? You fil- you're filthy on the inside. You're full of greed and you're self-righteous. You snakes, you sons of vipers. How will you escape? The judgment of hell. Do you hear Jesus saying that to the lost, to the hurt, and to the broken people? So if we're to be more Christ-like, is that how we need to be towards other people? Is that how we need to be to the lost, the hurt, the broken of this world? Listen to this story in Luke 18, 10 to 14, where he's talking about two men that were praying. Luke 18, 10 to 14. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Who knows that the tax collectors of Jesus' day were not nice people. They were frowned upon. They were dishonest. They would take money, what's the word, backhanded? Like, they were not good people. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed like this. I thank you, God. (laughs) I'm not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at the distance and dare not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, this is Jesus, Return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I have been there, people, where I thought because I did certain things because of my performance, because I went to church, because I helped set up the chairs in church, because I did certain things that God loved me more than he loved the sinner, more than he loved the person that was outside church, more than the person that was caught in addiction. I used to think that God loved me because I would go on a Friday night and I would set up all the chairs in church and I'd be walking around. God loves me. Look how good I am. Look what I'm doing. I've got the favor of God over my life because of what I'm doing. And I'd look at the drunk in the gutter and I'd say, wake up to yourself, you sinner. Why don't you just start making some right choices and get yourself out of the gutter? How easy was that for me to say until I became the one in the gutter? 
But I thank God that now, as a follower of Christ, that as I read Jeremiah 29, 11, and God's grace drenched and poured over my life, that now I know that I'm no longer condemned. I now know that I have a plan and I have a purpose. And it's not about my knowledge and it's not about how good I am. My purpose is to help other people find Christ. And they do that when I become more like him. If we could have that slide up, please, Mahalia. Who reads the word for today? Anybody here? It's part of their... So I read this quite a long time ago. When you truly grasp the concept of grace, you will gain a fresh appreciation of God's gift to you. You'll be less critical and concerned with what other people do. When you operate in the freedom of grace, you're okay with letting other people chart their own course and make decisions that you may not make. You'll become more tolerant and less judgmental. Instead of focusing on appearance based on religion performance, you will look to, for authenticity. Can somebody say that word, please? Authenticity and a genuine love for God. You will grow spiritually. Wow. Wow. When I choose to operate in the freedom of grace, I'm much better at letting other people chart a course that I may not agree with. When I choose to operate out of the freedom of grace, I'm more tolerant and less judgmental of other people. When I choose to operate out of the freedom of grace, instead of focusing on appearance-based religion, I look to authenticity and a genuine love for God. When I choose, this is the kicker. You ready? Got your attention? When I choose to operate in the freedom of grace, I grow spiritually. So do you. I don't always operate in the freedom of grace. Just ask Helen. Do you know I married Helen for her looks? I did. I married Helen for her looks. I'm not sure about some of the looks I've been getting lately, though. Let me tell you. I was really hoping she was going to be here this morning to hear that, but... You know, because of my insecurities, because I, I, I fall back to that, that sometimes I fall back to that little Johnny that was in the schoolyard that was teased, where words were spoken over me, where I believed that I was faulty or that there was something wrong with me because I was insecure, because I can, I can fall back into that place of insecurity. I'm then tempted. This is what I can do. I'm then tempted to put other people down to try and build myself up. Anybody? See, because I'm working it out of an insecurity. I forget who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted me together in my mum's womb. I have a purpose. And it's the same for you. See, we don't need to tear other people down to build ourselves up because we're secure in who we are. Amen. Hannah, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. Wow, I'm a child of God. Like never, never let us be at that place where we just go, oh, I'm a child of God. I've heard it before, I know it but we're not allowing it to to make us who God wants us to be, secure in who we are. It doesn't matter what other people say or do or think about us, does it? 
No, because I'm a child of God. The only thing that matters is what God thinks about me. And I know what God thinks about me. He loves me. In fact, it says in Romans that there's nothing in all creation that can ever separate me from his love. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you both from Christ's love. How cool is that? When I choose to operate in the freedom of grace, I grow spiritually. I want to grow spiritually, Jen. I want to grow spiritually. I want to become more like Christ. I know I'll never be like Christ, perfect in every way. Although sometimes I think I can be like that, a bit perfect. But no, I know I fall short. I know that I work out of insecurity. But I want to be, I want to grow. I want to be more like Christ. Because I want people to discover life in Jesus. Can we have the band up, please? How was that? 28 minutes. I'm right. Let's never value being right more than we value being Christ-like. I'm right. But am I Christ-like? How do we know how we're going with knowing God better? What's the performance indicator? What's the KPI? Simply, the more we know him, the more we become like him. You know, I believe that there are people here this morning who are just like me, who struggle. Struggle, they have insecurities. They struggle to know who they are in Christ. Feels like they... feels like you just keep falling short of the mark, that you just can't quite get there, that you haven't made it. Word of God says, humble yourself and I will exalt you. I will lift you up. There's something powerful when we choose to be humble. When we choose to say, God, I need you. I know that I'm called to be more like Christ. I know that's my calling, but I can't do it. I can't do it because of what's happened to me in the past. I can't do it because I I fall back. I, I forget who I am in you. I work out of my insecurity instead of working out of security in you. Humble. God says, humble yourself and I will lift you up. Do you want to be lifted up this morning? Do you want to be lifted up this morning? Then say, God, I need you. I need you. I humble myself before you. I say, I need you. I need you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you that we can boldly approach your throne of grace.
thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you that there is no sin that is too great for your forgiveness. Thank you today that we have a destiny, and that destiny is found in you. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.